I really thank the Lord for gathering people from all over the world, but especially from California today. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Is there something in California that people are running away from? <laughs> yeah, well, we love all the Californians in church today. Uh, I was almost going to say I'm from California, but I don't think I look Californian right now. <laughs> it's an honor and privilege to sit with God's Word, considering that many people around the world do not have opportunity like this. And so every time we sit with God's Word, let's cherish the opportunity. This morning, by the grace of God, we are looking at two chapters in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 3 and Mark chapter 4. And the topic is demonstrating the kingdom of God. Um, I hope you can see that up there, yes. And let me start with a disclaimer, all right? Uh, disclaimer number one is that this is not a theological or missiological discourse, all right? Because we all have different theological backgrounds, missiological backgrounds. And so it's not a theological about the kingdom of God, all right? Number two is that it's not an in-depth study of Mark chapter three and four. Uh, we cannot do an in-depth study of Mark chapter three and four in 25 or 30 minutes. And then thirdly, it's not a health, wealth, prosperity teaching. All right, because the, the direction the Lord will be leading us on, some may feel, is that a health and wealth teaching, a prosperity teaching? No, it's not. Um, just these three disclaimers before we proceed. The main text I'll be um, choosing is Mark, Mark chapter 4, verse 30 to 32. And it says, what, with what can we compare the kingdom of God and what parable will we use for it? It's like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up, becomes the greatest of all shrubs, puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. That's my text. And I will, I will come back to this later on. But Jesus says, with what can we compare? So he's trying to make a comparison here. He's trying to make an illustration. He's trying to bring to the fore the issue of the kingdom of God. And he uses stories and parables to try to explain this. And he says it's like a mustard seed, one of the smallest of all seeds. But when it grows, and that's very important, when it grows, which means if it doesn't grow, it doesn't get into fulfilling the things spoken about. But when it does grow, it spreads out its branches and becomes one of the biggest trees and all the birds come in it. So, here is a synopsis of what I'm looking at this morning. Part one, 
Jesus demonstrates God's heavenly kingdom here on earth and gives authority to his disciples to do the same. Number part two, Jesus uses parables to illustrate the operation of the kingdom. And then part three, Jesus concludes by giving another practical demonstration of the kingdom of God. This is what we'll try to cover in the short time we have. So part one, Mark chapter three, Jesus enters the synagogue again and there is a man with a withered hand and the people watch, the Bible says, they watch him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so they could accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. And then the scripture that's on the screen, then he said to them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? I mean, I would say Jesus was being a little bit provocative. He knows it's the Sabbath. And he sees a man who has a withered hand. And he tells him, step forward. And he knows they are watching him. But then he says, is it good? Now, Jesus is the personification of the kingdom. And so in part one, we are looking at Jesus. What did he do? How did he demonstrate the kingdom? He says, step forward. And the man steps forward. Then he looks at all the people who he knows are ready to accuse him. And he says, is it good, or is it lawful rather, to do good on the Sabbath day? To save life on the Sabbath day. Here was Jesus making a statement. He was saying to them, you all have the laws. You all know all the statutes. You are experts. But is it good or is it lawful to do good? And of course, he heals the man. If you read further down, they immediately begin to think, how do we destroy him? Because for them, the law was more important than doing good. And so the first thing we are seeing about the kingdom is that the kingdom of life, uh, the kingdom life is not just about laws, but it's about what? Doing good. The kingdom life. You see, if we focus so much on laws and precepts and statutes, we can all be boxed into small corners, but God is saying, I'm not just concerned about all those boxes we've created for ourselves. Step forward and do good. Amen. Amen. So he challenges them right on and says, is it legal? Is it right? Is it okay to do good? Even when it seems like your good is breaking the law. And they were furious at him. The next scripture we see further down 
in um, from verse 7, Jesus withdraws with his disciples. The great multitudes follow him from Judea, Jerusalem, Edomia, beyond the Jordan, from Tyre and Sidon. Great multitudes. Why? It says because they heard what he was doing. Please note, not because they heard what he was teaching, but because they heard what he was doing. You see, again, the practical, that the doing was what brought the people. The people were harassed. The people were tired. The people were needy. They did not go to the Pharisees and the scribes because the Pharisees and the scribes could not meet their needs. The Pharisees and the scribes were excellent in teaching, but that was where they ended. They ended at teaching. But Jesus went into doing. And as he was doing, these people kept coming. So much that they nearly crushed him. And then we see there in verse 10, it says, He healed many, so that as many as were, as had afflictions, pressed about him to touch him. Now, Jesus didn't send them away, he is the physical manifestation of the kingdom. The crowds were rushing, pressing in. He didn't say go away. He just said, put a boat so there's a bit of space between myself and them so they don't crush me. But the people were harassed. I think the version I have on the screen says, as many as had plagues. New King James says, as many as had afflictions. Demonstrating the kingdom is about helping people in their afflictions. People with plagues. Our brother leading worship today talked about those who could be heavy hearted. And the sickness we talk about here is not just physical. There's emotional. There's mental. There's financial. But as many as had afflictions, they said, if we went to this Jesus, he would sort us out. And the Jews went everywhere. And people came because the reality of life is that this life is full of problems. And when people have problems and afflictions, what they want first is not a new teaching. What they want is solution. And so Jesus, manifesting the kingdom life, touched them. Touched them. He healed as many as came to him. The kingdom life, the demonstration of the kingdom, is about touching people where they hurt. And that plague could be anything. I have gone through rough times in my life. And I thank God for friends and brothers 
who could touch me at those times, who could stretch their hands in the name of Jesus and identify with me and talk with me and pray with me. And everyone here, we have all gone through seasons where we needed someone to touch, to speak, to bless. Demonstrating the kingdom means that we go out of our safe zone and look for people to touch, to bless, to heal, to encourage. Now, Jesus, having set the example, having healed the man with the withered hand, proving that doing good is more important in this case than just keeping the laws, having demonstrated the healing power of the kingdom life, touching all who had plagues, he now goes on in verse 14 and 15 to a point 12. He says that they might be with him. Now, there are three things I want to bring out in this verse. 12, that they might be with him. Now, some people who focus so much on Christian lifestyle or holiness would teach a lot about being with him, be with Jesus, be with Jesus. But being with Jesus was not the end game. He chose 12 to be with him. But not just to remain with him, he chose 12 that he might send them forth. And do you notice the first thing in that list of things there was preach. So we do not minimize the preaching. But he sent them to preach. But friends, if we stopped at preaching, we are not doing what he says we should do. He called them to preach. But then he goes on to say, and gave them power to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. Now, as I was reading, I was wondering, why did he not say he gave them power to preach? Because you can preach without power. If you're smart, you know how to tell the right jokes, you can preach. Anyone can preach. But not everyone has the power to do what comes next. And the kingdom life is beyond preaching. Yes, it involves preaching. But he says he gave them what? He might send them out to preach and to have the power to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. So the kingdom life is preaching, but the kingdom life is helping, is touching, is meeting people at the points of their needs. Now, I know some people don't believe they are demons, but they are demons. All right? Now, I, I'm careful the church I'm speaking to, but they are demons. How many of you believe that there is Satan? All right, there is the bad guy, there is the devil out there. And who are his disciples? Demons, right? And these demons roam the earth. 
causing problems. These demons are working, tormenting people, creating pain, and agony, confusion. Now, as kingdom citizens, as children of God, it's not good enough we go into the world and just talk about, oh, Jesus loves you and Jesus is this and Jesus. God wants us to confront the enemy. God wants us to use his name to put the enemy at bay in the lives of people. Let's not shirk away from this. Let's not step away from this. I'm sorry, the camera guys are moving with me back and forth. It's hard to stay behind the pulpit. I'm sorry, guys. He gave them power. Now, of course, if you go further down in Mark 3, we won't bother reading that. We see that the experts in the law, they came down from Jerusalem. And they said, he's possessed by Beelzebub. What he's doing is the power of the devil. It's evil. Why? Hey, guys, why? Here's Jesus doing good. Here's Jesus healing the sick. Here's Jesus helping the afflicted. Here's Jesus casting out demons. Experts of the law, why do you fight this? Why do you fight this? Why does it seem so wrong that Jesus, the personification of the kingdom and the kingdom life, would do this? And of course, we know that they went out trying to kill him. And eventually they did kill him. And just to mention here that those who would leave the kingdom life will face persecution. And if you want to leave the kingdom life, you will face persecution. People will, 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 will stand against you, they'll fight you. But God wants us to demonstrate the kingdom life. Now in part two, Jesus now begins to use illustrations. He's shown it by life. Now he uses parables in chapter 4. He starts with a story about the parable of the sower. And we won't go into the details of the parable of the sower. He tells this beautiful story. And when he's done, the disciples, they're confused. And they asked him about the parable. Now, when they asked him about the parable, see what he says. He says, to you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. So it shows that the parable was actually about the kingdom of God. But to you, disciples, he says, it is a mystery, but I will let you understand the mystery. The kingdom life is a mystery. But Jesus says, let me unveil this to you. And in verse 20, he summarizes with the good seed. Of course, you know, some fell on the wayside. Some fell on the soil that's not deep. Some fell on the thorns. But there was the good soil. And this is what he says. But these are the ones sown on the good ground those who hear the word, accept it, 
and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, some hundred. Remember, he says, I'm explaining to you the mystery of the kingdom. And he says, therefore, the kingdom, not everyone will get it. Not everyone will get it. But there are one group of people, which is a quarter of the group of people who listen. Now, maybe that's a quarter of you listening to me right now. Maybe it's a quarter of the people in the church. Maybe it's a quarter of the people in the world. But not everybody gets this. And he says, there are some people, when they hear and they accept, what happens to them? They bear fruit. They demonstrate the kingdom by bearing fruit. And even that, some 30, some 60, and some 100. And so the kingdom life is available to those who hear the word, who receive the word, who believe the word, and they step forward to practice the word by bearing fruit. God wants us to bear fruit as people of God. And even at that, some produce at 30-fold, some at 60 But it amazes me that there are some people who hear the word, who receive the word, who believe the word, and they produce a hundredfold. Is it possible? Yes, because Jesus said so. That there are people who receive the word of God and they step out in faith and they begin to manifest and demonstrate the kingdom life a hundredfold. And Jesus was that perfect example, right? He demonstrated the kingdom life a hundredfold. He goes on with another illustration, and he says in verse 21, he says that it's a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, not to be put on the candle stand. And so he's saying here, again, my people, when we light the candle, when this life is ignited in us, he says, my people, don't hide this. Manifest this. Demonstrate this. Show this life. What he's saying is, don't believe and hide your faith. Don't believe and pretend it's not there. God says, I have something within you. Manifest, demonstrate, step forward. May the Lord grant us the boldness to do this. It takes boldness to step forward. It takes boldness to step forward. He says, and it's a question. Do we put a light and hide it? Of course not. And may we not hide it in the name of Jesus. The third illustration he brings is about the kingdom of God. Verse 26 to 27. 
Like a man who scatters this seed. He sleeps and wakes. He doesn't know how it grows. And that shows that within the seed and a good heart, there will be natural growth. Once we believe that it is doable, it is possible, if we believe that God's word works, it will work. Amen. It will work. So he says, you don't have to do anything. You sleep and you wake and it's growing. You sleep and you wake and it's growing. The life of God is growing in us. The presence of God is growing in us. God is saying, I don't want you to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. Only Jesus is yesterday, today, and forever unchanging. He wants us to grow. He wants us to, like, like this seed, sprout and spread. Which leads to the very next verse. In verse 4, Mark 4, sorry, 32. Talks about the mustard seed. Very small, very tiny. But it says it grows. It spreads out its branches. And the birds of the air come. This is the kingdom life. God is saying to his people, I want us to grow and spread out. Spread those branches. There are birds looking for a place to rest. There are birds unstable looking for a place to to, to anchor their lives. God is saying, will you spread out those branches? This morning, the Lord is saying, spread out. Spread those branches. You may start small. We may start small. But let's not remain small. Spread the branches. Just like Jesus. He started small. A baby in a manger. Then he became a a simple carpenter. But he grew. And he spread. And look at it today. The whole world knows that name. And that Jesus lives in us. And that Jesus is saying, spread out your branches. I have birds looking for somewhere to make a nest. Spread out your branches. I'll just begin to close with this part three. This was the final illustration. Jesus is in the boat with his disciples. And of course, the storm comes and all that. And Jesus is asleep. <laughs> He's asleep. I mean, I don't know about you. If I was in the boat, I would freak out. I would freak out. How many of you are excited you just want to die and drown? By the way, I cannot swim. <laughs> now, if I was like Hendrik, who is an expert swimmer, you know, Hendrik may not freak out because he says I can handle the storm. But when I see water, I freak out. I don't enter anything that has water except my feet touches the ground. Here they are in the middle of the sea. The sea is swamping the boat. And Jesus is asleep. Wow. Wow. But that again is demonstrating the kingdom life, isn't it? The fact that 
you can be at peace in the midst of the storm. That's a kingdom life. Something tells you, no, I will not drown. Something tells you, no matter the storm, I'm okay. Because I'm in the center of his hand. I have, I have the Lord on my side. doesn't matter what the storm is. Children of God who freak out very quickly were asking, where is Jesus in all this? Here, yeah, Jesus was with them, but they were freaking out. May we have peace in the midst of the storm. It's part of the kingdom life. Secondly, Jesus rebukes the wind. Jesus, he doesn't just sleep, he speaks against the wind, and that is part of the kingdom life. The authority to speak words that have the life and the power of God. The words we speak have life. The words we speak have power in his name. And so, what does he do? He rebukes the wind. And I ask that we likewise may be people who are confident to speak in his name. And to rebuke the forces of hell. Finally, he said to them, hold on. Why are you so afraid? Hold on. Because of time, I will not go into the details of the final slide. But just those are five things that demonstrate the kingdom. Number one, as a summary, is doing good. I won't go into the details. Number two is reproducing the kingdom life. Number three is providing rest for those who need rest. Number four, not moved by the storm. And then number five, rebuking negative forces. I'm not the boldest of people. And people think I'm bold, but I'm not. But I found that in Christ Jesus, he gives boldness to his own. In Christ Jesus, he takes the mustard seed and makes it into a tree. That is the will of God for you and I. We will start small, but God is saying, I want to demonstrate kingdom life on earth. I want you to represent me. I want you to speak for me. I want you to manifest me. I want you to be my voice, my hands, my feet. I want you to represent me on earth. Don't be silent and don't hold back. I'd like us to pray. And maybe when you see that screen, you see that tiny seed and you see, maybe that's me. Just tiny. My faith's so small. And I, I really don't, I'm not much. I don't, I don't preach well. I don't speak well. You know, I don't have many gifts and talents. But that tiny seed in the hands of God will sprout. It will grow. It will spread out its branches. Do you believe that? If you believe that, would you just look at the screen and read together? Let's read together the conclusion. Can we do that, please? It's on the screen if you can see that. One, two, go. Let's not depend on our wisdom. Jesus is still working 
demonstrated the power of his kingdom, let him work in and through us. Irrespective of our differing convictions, we all agree that Jesus commands us to go and make disciples of all nations. This is impossible without his authority working with us. Let us therefore go forth into our world under his authority, committed to making disciples, reproducing his life, demonstrating his love, and manifesting his grace and power. Amen. Can we rise together, church? Lord, this is our prayer. That your life, your kingdom life, that resides in us, that it would sprout, that it would grow. And as your kingdom life grows within us, Lord, that our branches would spread out, touching our world, blessing our world, helping the afflicted, confronting evil, standing for righteousness, preaching your word, standing for justice, that we will be a people known to demonstrate your life. Lord, may this be our experience here in this church. And all the glory would return back to you at the end of the day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance over you. And the Lord grant you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Have a great day.